I get this question a lot and people ask like, how do you blindly trust your government so much? Mm-hmm. What, what is it in Estonians that, that you trust? And I would say that we don't. We're really skeptical people. Um, and, uh, and I think that Estonians do not trust their government just blindly. But it is also, again, the, the responsibility of the government to show me that it can be trusted. We were under Soviet uh, power for such a long time. We managed to, to regain independence, to become a republic. We have no desire in going back to this system. So, so we decided that we will adopt Western values, that we will be a democratic republic, that, that we will value a person's uh, right and, and to, to be an independent citizen, right? Uh, also legislating, so we were GDPR compliant before GDPR was even thought about. Right. So from the very beginning, we, we, we set in the legislation that the data belongs to the citizen, not to the government official, mm-hmm. not to the database that is being held, but respective citizen owns their own data. So if I own something, I have the right to know how this data is being used. So these are the type of, of tools that the government provides me, like data tracker, where I can make queries, where I can see um, the, the different queries done to, to ask my data and for what reason. So these are the type of um, technological tools that you can give. Um, when was the last time that you went to a hospital and said, well, I would like to be taken to the archive room because I would like to know how my data is being used, right? It's more complicated with the, with yeah. the analog, um, but of course, Estonia um, being pioneer in blockchain um, technology as well, that serves as a, as a layer of uh, verification. Yeah. We, we choose truth over trust. Hello, my name is Chris and I'm head of content at Nordic Fintech Magazine and welcome to this episode of The Future Of. So what happens when you build a country as a startup? It's not uncommon to think that cutting-edge innovation resides in the hands of private enterprise and academia. After all, their business models demand that they stay one step ahead of the competition, which has always brought new ideas and inventiveness to play. But what happens when you are able to start from a clean slate? when you have the opportunity to rebuild from scratch and when your ambition transcends the boundaries of a private organization and reaches far as an entire state. We traveled north to the beautiful city of Tallinn to find out how Estonia, the startup nation, came about and became the startup and fintech powerhouse that it is today. In our recent unicorn safari in Estonia, we had the privilege to sit down with Erika Pirmitz, digital transformation advisor at eEstonia, to talk about how this economically progressive state rebuild their nation on the platform of the future. In this chat, we learn how Estonian pragmatism, commitment and evidence-first-based approach propel this small country into a modern, forward-driven Nordic nation with the most advanced digital state in the world and the highest global number of unicorns per capita. This interview will make you shift your attention north and perhaps even make some changes to your upcoming travel plans. Uh, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. Thank you for the invite. Happy to be here. Yeah, so let's uh, let's just start the conversation telling, telling us a little bit about you. Uh, we'd like to know who you are and what you do. 
America. I work as a digital transformation advisor here in the Estonian Briefing Center. We are a government organization. Uh, we are the holders of the Estonian brand. Um, very happy to to share the this the experience how Estonia became to be the very digitally advanced country. Oftentimes it's mistaken because of our name that perhaps Estonia is being built in the center where not not quite so because uh, this is a collaboration between a very wide range of stakeholders with public and private stakeholders. So we are just. Uh, competence center where where we talk about the different steps Estonia has taken how we have slowly developed I'm in a very fortunate role of yes representing Estonia but also giving my citizen perspective because at the end of the day I'm the consumer of this digital Estonia so right. so to to also talk of my experience how is it to live in a advanced digital society right okay so let's let's start um, by by just defining what is the aim of Estonia if you think about uh, Estonia as a whole, so there's no digital and analog Estonia. There's only just one Estonia where 99% of the public services are available in an online format. Right. So that was for us um, a key decision, a pragmatic decision uh, back in the 90s where we saw that, okay, we have to rebuild our state. Uh, we want it to be very modern forward-driven country, we want it to be a nice Nordic country with Western values, um, very little resources, so we needed to act smart and, and this is how the political decision was made, like yes we are going to offer a range of public services but alternatively also in an online format so that it would be more convenient and easier to, to develop or to bring to people uh, all over Estonia, even in the most remote areas. Right. So, so uh, all idea of this uh, e-Estonia concept is to reduce bureaucracy, reduce mm -hmm. red tape, and and to be a convenient state for the citizen perspective. Right. Okay. So, so then the the, the trigger factor here was basically uh, in 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 the nineties uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union. You you you, you had the opportunity to rebuild, and you thought, well. If we're going to rebuild, let's rebuild on on the platform of the future, right? Exactly. We did not have the uh, a, a book of, of rules how to build a digital society. No one had ever done no. it this scale before, right? So we approached it as as good Estonians do, with pragmatism, with just let's try it out. Mm -hmm. Let's let's um, um, start building our country as a startup and, and we will see what happens. And that proved to be a, a pretty successful story in wow. the end. All right. And, and can you tell us a little bit more about the scope of e-Estonia? You say 99% of mm -hmm. public services. What's covered within, within that scope and what's maybe not within the scope? There are two services that are not digitalized yet, and that is marriage and divorce. However, these are in the government pipeline right now to be digitalized as well. So we are moving towards, uh, thanks to the already wide network of digital services, we are building let's say like a second layer of, of services that would be life event based and proactive services so that the the communication for the citizen with the state would be even more seamless um, less uh, requirements for the communication points a lot of automatization um, and and simply just using already all of the digital data that is available to make predictions and uh, suggestions to improve citizens lives 
And um, one of the first services to be digitalized was declaring taxes. Um, small decision because <laughs> if, if you think of where where you you start your digital journey then well pick the low-hanging fruit first right yeah. something that is easy and well relatively cheap for the government to digitalize and at the same time with the biggest impact for the person because yes we're talking about digital transformation cool technologies electronic identity cybersecurity, artificial intelligence blockchain these are the topics of the fashion right now but at the same time, digital transformation is psychological, it's human. Yeah. So, so we need to be changing people's habits, really. So uh, if I'm going to change my everyday activity, I need to know what's in it for me, yeah. how I can benefit in the end. And finally, that is the principle of good governance also, that you actually running your state so that you would, could benefit your people. Yeah. Um, all of the services that we have now are available in the classical formats as well. You mm -hmm. still can go do everything on paper, however you feel more comfortable. It's just a lot of people see that the, the, the digital format is much more convenient for them. Right. And that was the case of, of uh, declaring taxes, because it takes us really three minutes to, to submit it thanks to the pre-filled form. Yeah. Uh, and also one extra mechanism for the motivation was that if you declare your taxes digitally, you can expect the excess tax to be returned to you within days, five to seven days, as in if you file on paper, which you still can, mm -hmm. but possibly you would have to wait six months. Right. So, so this was the small habit changer that, that got people mm, on board easily. Right, okay, okay, that's really interesting and I want to touch on several of the points that you've mentioned. But let me just first clarify, when we talk about digitalization of, of public services, what exactly are we talking about? Is it digitalization of the front end? Is it straight through processing with full automation of the end-to-end -end process? How far has the digitalization gone? Digital transformation is not converting to PDF documents. That, that's, that's not what it is about. Yeah. So it is a different type of governance. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, Estonia was in a very fortunate um, situation in, in, in some sorts because we could start from scratch, basically. Yep. So we redesigned the way how we approach um, public governance. Mm -hmm. We are the first e-cabinet in, in the world where there is um, paperless uh, cabinet meetings in the parliament. Right. And, and, and everything is technologically empowered. We introduced electronic ID and that was the prerequisite of all the digital services to follow. Um, single center, government issued electronic ID that would help every time securely uh, authenticate the person who is about to consume any type of, of service. Mm -hmm. So, so the, um, the, the question of, of how do you digitalize different services is that we need to start from the citizen point of view mm -hmm. and that has always been one principle in uh, in digital governance for estonia that you need to be citizen centric it has to be simple in in terms of yes the user design and, and the process itself and and but also think about the the experience how many clicks is really necessary and and then not just bringing the same 
actions that you would do on, on an analog format to a digital format, mm -hmm. but to redesign the whole way of how do, do we approach, because there can be a lot of steps that could be skipped yeah. uh, in, in the digital filing of taxes, for example. Right, right, right. Uh, so, so just to, to have the digital alternative available is not converting PDFs, but making actually the, the different type of settings. But that also comes with um, legislation system, mm -hmm. right? How do we protect the citizen data? Um, what is the, um, how do we keep citizen data? Where it is being stored? How it is being exchanged, right? So all of these legal questions that we were we were in the, in position to to design from from scratch. So it's not only just um, digitalizing different steps along the way that would make this a service possible for you to consume as a citizen, but all of this network around how do we approach governance um, if it's uh, when it's uh, digitally empowered. Well, that's that's remarkable because because you basically achieved achieve what most private enterprises hope to achieve with their digital transformation programs and very often fail, right? Um, now, I want to touch a little bit on the idea of digital exclusion. Now, you mentioned that all services are available both in analog form and in digital form. But I would assume that based on what you're saying, and maybe I'm wrong, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is a digital first strategy. Um, how have you managed to ensure that the people that perhaps don't feel so uncomfortable with digital technology don't feel that, that they're being left behind or less, less attention is being put to the services that they still consume? Very important uh, question to address. And, and here I would like to, to, to point out that yes, digital first, but also with the principle that let's try to make the use for, for the majority of the people, right? And then deal with the possible exceptions. Right. So there was not um, a zero point or one point game, right? So, so we, we, we saw that even if the solution is not 100% applicable to all people, okay, but perhaps 60% of people, 80% of people can find real value. Mm -hmm. And then we will work with the, the, the last um, percentage there. So that was never the obstacle for, for our decision makers to say that, no, we're not going to test the solution because it's not covering wholly the population. But few strategical steps that were done correctly in Estonia. Um, you can't introduce digital tools, um, different digital services, and then just leave it up for people to figure it out. Mm -hmm. When you're launching them, this is also your responsibility as a government to, to really help the people get on board. And, and that is exactly the strategy that Estonia did. On one hand, um, we had a small budget back in the day, but we decided to invest a large proportion to our youth, to education. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a huge program that brought internet connection and computers to all the municipality schools so that integration of digital skills could start from the primary level. Mm -hmm. So we decided that every new generation that we're going to raise would be tech savvy. If, if they are later adults, they have the, the choice. Either they want to do um, 
to engage with the government digitally or in an analog format, but at least they would have skills if they wanted to do in the online format. Mm -hmm. uh, but also the we know that there is always a portion of people who are like early adopters, yeah. so they will get quickly on board and, and they're really, really eager to try all of the things out. But the, now the, the majority of population need assistance. And, and this is how in collaboration with uh, public and, and private stakeholders, we started to offer a lot of courses, uh, raising awareness among people, creating communication. We're launching electronic identity. Um, we set up tents on the public squares, in, on the, in the uh, parks, on the streets, saying that, you know, um, this is how it was, it was made compulsory, so people had to get electronic ID. So that was a, a political decision. Mm -hmm. So now it was also the communication process, because if you have to get it, I need to understand what is it that I'm getting. Yeah. Um, so, so talking about what electronic ID is, what it will enable you to do, how you can use it, and later different programs. How to use computer, what is internet, and how do you access it? holding your mouse or, or typing on, on the keyboard. That was also really essential skill that we needed to start teaching people. So um, big partners in, in this were the public libraries who started to offer different set of, of courses for, for people, elderly or, or adult people. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and also in the local municipality offices, and also the private sector came on board. That was right. the, the collective um, mission for the whole society to be, to have these uh, technological skills, digital skills that we need if we are going to pursue the digitalization route. Right. So that was slowly, bit by bit, by introducing simple solutions uh, to, to uh, also help people through different uh, courses that are still going on to this day. Right, right, okay. Now, one of the perhaps more distinguished features about the Nordics is the high trust that the citizenship has under government institutions. So my question to you is, how has the e-Estonia project uh, impacted trust between the state and the citizens? I get this question a lot and people ask like, how do you blindly trust your government so much? What, what is it in Estonians that, that you trust? And I would say that we don't. We're really skeptical people. Um, and, uh, and I think that Estonians do not trust their government just blindly. But it is also, again, the, the responsibility of the government to show me that it can be trusted. We want it we 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 were under Soviet uh, power for such a long time. We managed to to regain independence, to become a republic. We have no desire in going back to this system. So so we decided that we will adopt Western values, that we will be a democratic republic, that that we will value a person's uh, right and and. To, to be an independent citizen, right? Uh, and, and also through different mechanisms that it is rather easy with digitalization to achieve. So if there is a, 
digital data being collected about me or, or uh, um, uh, interoperability between different institutions that share my personal data. So there are logbooks, right? So Estonia decided to be transparent, to communicate that mm -hmm. to the people. Also legislating, so we were GDPR compliant before GDPR was even thought about. Right. So, so we, 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 from the very beginning, we, we, we set in the legislation that the data belongs to the citizen, not to the government official, mm -hmm. not to the database that is being held, but respective citizen owns their own data. So if I own something, I have the right to know how this data is being used. So these are the type of, of tools that the government provides me, like data tracker, where I can make queries, where I can see um, the, the different queries done to, to ask my data. In the patient portal, medical data, very sensitive, very important, mm -hmm. right? Uh, extensive logbook is available. Any citizen can enter and, and see how their medical data has been used, who has looked and, and for what reason. So these are the type of um, technological tools that you can give. Um, when was the last time that you went to a hospital and said, well, I would like to be taken to the archive room because I would like to know how my data is being used, right? It's more complicated with the, with yeah. the analog. Um, and, and oftentimes you don't know who has looked your, your mm. paper file, but, but of course, Estonia, um, being pioneer in blockchain um, technology as well, that serves as a, as a layer of uh, verification. Yeah. We, we choose truth over trust. And, right. and that is exactly how, how we, can, we can make sure that none of the data uh, hasn't been compromised or changed. Or if it has, then we know exact point where it happened, so we can put a finger on it. So, to, so the advantage is that, well, possibly you can do malfunctions with uh, digital data as well. Similarly, like you, you can manipulate the, the analog um, whatever process. Mm -hmm. But the difference is that in digital world, everything will leave a trace. It will not get away with, with the actions. Uh, and, uh, so, and, and, and also, during the different crises, uh, the government has been very open in communication uh, to, the, to the higher level. In 2007, Estonia suffered a cyber attack that was the first in its scale. Um, so far, still the, the biggest cyber attack known against the nation state as a whole. That was um, a big um, situation that shook the world. This created a lot of uh, um, like... Um, a bit of uh, because it was p politically motivated so it created a bit of mm -hmm. of scare in the, in the society like what's happening and are we going to collapse as a digital society mm -hmm. one hand good that it happened because it was like a maturity exam to us mm -hmm. so like a small proof that we took the correct route that we we decided to build digital society in a decentralized manner mm -hmm. so it would be difficult to steal data to to steal identities to hack different databases and nothing was hacked in 2007 and and hasn't been so far okay. so, so and and the the type of Mm, communication in any crisis moment, even though it's difficult to do, the government has has always had this uh, this approach that we will tell 
tell people what's going on mm-hmm. and um, and uh, not not hide any of the complications because with technology you will have complications that's kind of written in the system yeah. you can't build a um, completely errorless environment I think what you just said is it's so profound because you said we we choose truth over trust right so that just indicates that this is not a blind trust in the institution but it's a trust based on the transparency and the trail that we can have thanks to digitalization and I think that's a that's a really important message to uh, to emphasize because because uh, this is fact-based trust mm. now um, let's talk a little bit about something else that you touched on earlier which is the mindset you said you said digi- digital transformation is, is a psychological process as well uh, and I'm sure any any practitioner of digital transformation would say that the most difficult thing to change about an organization is the mindset mm-hmm. so how have you dealt with the mindset and with that behavioral change that needed to take place across the, co- the country especially with let's say the, the the people that were not so keen on adopting a digital state communication talk to people mm-hmm. uh, really get your idea across so it does not start with technology it starts with leadership yeah. so, so you need to have leaders who who would drive the the um, transformation further who will have clear ideas and you don't need to have the answers to all of this because as I mentioned we approached as a startup we have no idea where it's going to go and if we fail well we pivot um, we'll try a different solution and and definitely we had hardships along the the way mm-hmm. um, in in the early days when the electronic identity was made compulsory of course people mocked a lot this decision because they had no use case for it. Yeah. There were no electronic services that you could apply this. Um, that was completely useless gadget that you had to, to, to have. And of course, that, it was rather expensive also yeah. back in the day. Um, but, but through with this persistency and, and with the long vision, I would say forward-looking vision from, from the political leadership, um, and this type of also collaborative understanding that we're going to take the digitalization route and and we see that we have a lot to win from it in the in the long haul so that is is always very complicated um, topic because transformation will not happen overnight and political leaders would like to have the benefits tomorrow right so so you, they, they do one decision and, and you want this to be immediately successful. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is one, one area where success will, will come in, in years, yeah. right? Um, so, so communication is really the key. Why we're doing this, how you can um, start um, adopting it, how you will finally um, have value from it and, and then applying the different courses, how do you help people build up the skills that are necessary, address their fears? People have a lot of fears. Yes, what if there is a big brother? What if, what if the government is going to spy on me? What if the government is going to sell my data? These are all the fears that um, don't keep quiet about. Talk about them. Take away the fears. Mm-hmm. Show the trust 
the, the transparency mechanisms that that you that not not just you you talk as a principle, but how do you actually implement them? Like like the different inquiries that, that I can uh, I can see how my data is being used, or or the um, the the practice the good practice that the government is not going to sell my data yeah how how i can be sure of that and again also not to talk about the the beautiful pink top but but also the the reality that if uh, different errors arise communicate that as well how we're going to overcome that and um and and what is the the ongoing strategy so there will always be people who either are skeptical um, they don't have enough knowledge or skills to, to adopt any any technology or simply don't want to. Mm. Um, and, and we shouldn't profile here that this is definitely the elderly population. Perhaps it's not. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of um, um, elders who, who use very, very rapidly the, the technological tools. Or there are different services where you don't need any engagement or any skills at all, like the prescription is all you need to have is is your digital identity and, and you buy the, the digital prescription from the pharmacy. So very simple process and my grandmother has no idea that there are really complex IT systems behind, behind it. it. Right. But um, but right, the, the per persistency to to have the patience long enough until the people will see the the benefits from the the moment of adoption to actually when it, it will start to take off um, and constant communication and not to to neglect people's fears, address them. Tell them that yes, there there needs to be a dialogue, um, and and that their um, fears are relevant. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, we've been talking a lot about the benefits to the citizens. Mm -hmm. Let's talk now about what are the benefits to companies that either have settled in Estonia or that would like to settle in Estonia. What can they expect, or how can they benefit from uh, from Estonia? One program that we we have launched after. 99% of the population already had an electronic identity and so we've covered almost all the population. So we were thinking, well, where do we expand now? So the, the logical answer was to, to expand to the rest of the world. And this is how the e-residency program was, was launched. Uh, so anyone in the world older than 18 years can become Estonian e-resident, meaning that they will get access to the same electronic ecosystem that Estonian citizens and residents are using. A lot of the EU residents, more than 93,000 of them, have never set foot in Estonia but are running remote businesses from wherever location that they are based, benefiting from um, electronic identity, digital signature, uh, fast process of uh, uh, registering your business, hiring people, um, doing all the tax duties related to all of your operational activity. This is something that that um, a lot of uh, residents outside of European Union find very useful. We are aware we are a small country. 1.3 million people perhaps is not attractive end market. But being a part of European Union, you can be registered as a business owner in Estonia and do business with all European single market. 
So that is already attractive point of view. Yeah. Curiously enough, we see a lot of people from EU establishing their businesses also in Estonia via e-residency program. Mm -hmm. And that is because it is faster, hustle-free, it is cheaper oftentimes for them. And, and they see that the, the, the benefit is, is enormous from them. So, so this government-issued electronic ID and all of the different e-services that is at their disposal is a very strong use case why there are a lot of e-residents and, and a lot of companies established by e-residents. Right, and if I'm not mistaken, I recently read that the record of setting up a company in Estonia is 14 minutes? Yes, it's 15 and a half minutes, oh. and that was um, done by Estonian e-residents in the uh, London Tech Week, yes, earlier in June. That's so, so this can be done, but he he also told me in a conversation that he could have done it faster. It was just that there were some complications with the internet connection, but he, he was really <laughs> he was really confident that he could do it even faster. So just to illustrate, yes, it's not possibly the the use case of every single business owner who's going to register, mm -hmm. but it can be done. Yeah, this is it's it's a fast process. So so we've always approached that. Of course, we are a small country. We don't have big industry. Um, our, our, um, we don't, or we don't have any big factories, or we are not manufacturer or of, of any physical thing. So, so our industry is, is service and tech. Mm -hmm. So, so this is what we are always developing: that good public services, digital services, electronic identity, and reducing bureaucracy and red tape, so that entrepreneurs could focus on what's important for them. Right. running their own business and not justifying every single step to the government why they're doing something. Okay, so then now let's talk about what's next because you've laid out the digital uh, the foundation basically. You have the systems, you have the digital ID and we see of course uh, technology keeps progressing and there's a whole bunch of new exponential technologies like artificial intelligence. So how, how is Estonia planning to use these exponential technologies uh, and maybe you can talk a little bit about, about AI-powered government. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. After almost 30 years of building the digital society, we're not nearly done. And I don't know if it will, we will ever reach to a point where we say that, okay, now digital Estonia is, is done. Exactly. We need to, to always move forward with, uh, with the development of technology. Um, one thing that I mentioned that is really strongly in the government focus right now is the proactive services and live event-based services mm -hmm. so that the communication for the citizen would be even better, seamless, uh, instant. Um, so I wouldn't... Um, wouldn't have to even engage in, in applying any of these processes where a lot of the applications could be done semi-automatically mm -hmm. or AI-powered. So, so right now um, Estonia is, is um, teaching our, our own virtual assistant uh, that is called Bureaucrat, that, that would be one central assistant for all of the, the public sector and why not private sector as well. So at any time a citizen has any problem or question, that virtual assistant could be one reference point. So I don't have to be a specialist in my government that now this is the, the, the type of um, 
um, government authority I need to turn to 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 get assistance or there is a um, massive feedback from from the public sector that a big amount of time is being wasted by forwarding letters that have been sent wrong right. because people don't know where to turn to so again if if we can make something as simple as one chatbot one virtual assistant that that is already guiding us us forward mm -hmm. um, but, but of course, uh, in the future, that, that uh, AI technology could, um, could do a lot of processes for the person already, like application or reminding them of different like expiration dates of, of your driving license and, and then giving you a notification that, hey, I've applied for a new driving license for you because it's about to expire, right? So, so all of these, these different... Um, Mm, different processes that can be optimized and because they are predictable we know that um, people will will start school in, in the age of seven in Estonia we know that um, men need to to go to the uh, to the military right to, to the military service uh, prior to that they need to go to to the uh, doctor inspection Right? We know that people will retire at one point. So these are the type of events that will take place in people's lives, mm -hmm. in the majority of people's lives. So, so we can approach people proactively already. One thing of, um, of the proactive service that is uh, available is getting the family benefits because they are universal in Estonia. So if I'm entitled to get something, why do I need to ask for it? So now right. the government approaches me in, instead when, when when my baby is born saying is this the correct bank account that you want to be your family benefits to be transferred i confirm that yes it's so and i go back to what's important taking care of my infant mm -hmm. and not proving um, different documentations filing paperwork to receive something that i am entitled to and and uh, ai that is being right now trained um, and, and developed even further would possibly take even more the the proactive role, so so that they could, um, so that the, the experience for for the person in communication with the state could be a pleasant one, Bureau, bureaucracy free, um, actual nice uh, nice process that you don't have to to be overly worried about yeah and I, and I love the name it's, 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 I love the irony the bureaucrat right, right exactly. um, okay so I, I think based on what you're saying uh, this is clearly a case study on how to execute a successful digital transformation not just for the public sector I think the private sector could learn a ton from it um, we know that over 80% of digital transformation efforts fail in the private sector, right? So uh, I, th I think there's, there's definitely a lot that can be learned from what Estonia has done. Uh, just to close, tell us a little bit of what have been the main lessons that you've learned from, from being pioneers in, in running a, and setting up a digital state? Leadership, definitely. It needs to start um, from, from good, forward-looking uh, leadership don't need to have all the answers ready mm -hmm. you just need to have the courage to pursue, pursue the road and and to to be able to communicate to people that that what is the transformation that is about to happen right. keep it simple 
all of the both solutions that you're about to implement, uh, any any digital services, they need to be simple, understandable. I don't need to have programming skills to declare my taxes online, right? And also the the user experience, the interface, um, similar between the, the different public sectors. For example, my login process uh, using the government-issued electronic ID. Central ID to access all the public services and so efficient that it is being expanded to the private sector as well. Mm. Banks, telcos, e-commerce. These are all the, the different product and service providers that use the government-issued electronic ID as well as their login and their um, service process as well. So it can be implemented in both. It's not limited to, to the public sector only. Yeah. But also keep it simple in terms of laws. Don't over-regulate. Um, have the clear legislation frame uh, with, with very, very clear areas of, of uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, also keeping in mind all of the security. Estonia is very reluctant in doing any shortcuts in mm -hmm. terms of uh, data protection or yeah. identity protection. But don't overcomplicate if there's no need to. So, so think about the, the, the essence of, of all of the, the process of the, what the, the regulations should regulate. Uh, but, but also definitely shared platforms are quicker. This is what we see. Interoperability instead of duplication, mm. uh, instead of, um, of uh, every corner of the government um, building something for their own. Let's, let's share the data, let's make it interoperable. Um, let's bring the, the citizen data together to talk to each other, right? All of the aspects of my, li of my life to, to be in, in contact with my electronic identity. Yeah. Uh, and collaboration between uh, public and private stakeholders. Yes, the government in Estonian case is the runner for the digital transformation. It came as a political decision, but the, the partnership with private companies has been essential in every step of the way. And I think that is, is one um, key factors for our success. If we had let only if we had let the, the digital transformation to be built, all of these solutions to be built by the public sector, we possibly would, would not be in a so digital state right now. So the demand coming very clearly from the public sector, yeah. but the know-how, the technological solutions that can come from the specialists that are in the private companies. and. Uh, and, and th this collaboration, this partnership uh, has been really working for Estonia really well and creating the, the synergy between the government sector and the private sector as well. Absolutely fascinating. Erika, thank you so much for taking time to share us this, this, uh, this incredible journey that Estonia has been on. Thank you so much for taking the interest in your story.